Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to another episode of one of these years after the bye week. Hope everyone had a good uh, weekend of watching other teams lose and all that sort of good stuff. <laughs> I am, of course, Dick Bomber, along with the refreshed Colton Pouncey. Uh, Colton, how are we doing? You're about to hit the road, though, again. So uh, how are things How are things going here? Yeah, things are going good. Uh, had a chance to recharge. Uh, I didn't watch, like, any football this weekend, which is awesome. Good. Last weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, whenever good. I have some time off, I try to actively avoid sports and just, like, relax and do nothing so that was good it's a good call and then this weekend um busy weekend because we got a uh, our co-worker yeah. max boltman is getting married uh on today this is friday um so that'll be fun and then i'm going to la um saturday i think i have a noon flight i tried to space that out a little bit in between yeah the there you go yeah, yeah the morning yeah. after the wedding and getting out there uh, my brother lives in la so i'll get a chance to see him so yeah it'll be a good trip Awesome. Congrats to Max and Allison, of course, mm-hmm. uh, on the wedding. Uh, and then, of course, yes, the Lions back at it here this week. Um, you know, we don't have a game to break down, of course, because they were off. Uh, we talked about the Raiders last week, so I'm not sure how long we'll go. But we can talk a little Chargers uh, and all that stuff uh, coming forward. Before that, though, Colton, you got into a few things this week on, you know, the Lions buy sort of happened to be at the middle of the season, right? This is yeah. more or less the halfway point. Um, it's an odd number these days, but whatever. Uh, so, so second half predictions and then some stats um, that sort of stand out from the first half. And I actually want to talk about the stats first. And you led that story, which is both of those are up on The Athletic now, um, with um, the Gibbs-Montgomery running back situation. And we talked about that on the show last week. Um, and I'm curious what you found because this is a really interesting thing for not only right now in the first half, but also going forward in the second half. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I wanted to start off with that because that's been such a, you know, yeah, discussed topic. The off season, as you know, as soon as Gibbs was drafted, people were kind of, you know, saying that was a In bad pick, and you know, he's <laughs> never going to live up to that draft slot, and you know, all that is tied to positional value. But at the same time, if you're getting a good player, mm-hmm. you're getting a good player. So like, maybe this was a draft where, you know, the positions of value just weren't impact players, and like some of the players that we've seen in that range, like Tyree Wilson. You know, an edge has gotten off to a slow start. So, like, it doesn't always have to be black and white as people try to make it out to be. So, um, one, lead with the running backs and how the Lions mm-hmm. are kind of, you know, leading mm-hmm. into that instead of as other teams are getting away from the running game. So, um, first of all, I found, um, you know, this sort of chart um, by Tej Steth um, at yeah. su- summer, summer Sports. And he had a really good um, chart that basically shows that Jameer Gibbs right now <laughs> is the most explosive running back in the NFL in terms of explosive run rate, which are runs uh, of 15 yards or more. And he's right. also, uh, he has the lowest negative run rate. Um, so he gets stopped for a loss at the the lowest rate in the NFL among running backs right. uh, with at least 60 rushes. So he's the most explosive back and he doesn't run for negative gains. Like that's, that's Correct. what we're talking about with Jameer Gibbs here. Um, the start he's gotten off to this year. Uh, Montgomery's somewhere in the middle of the pack there. So he's also been good there. Um, but Gibbs has just been 
like lights out. Um, and we knew it was going to take some time for him to kind of get his feet wet. And they weren't really giving him a ton of touches early on, but they were confident in his ability. That never went away. So you look at some of the numbers um, <clears throat> per PFF. Gibbs has a breakaway percentage of 36.3%, which ranks ninth in the league. Um, he ranks 10th in the NFL in yards after contact per rush at 3.24 mm-hmm. yards per true media. Um, so he's, that's a sign that he's giving the Lions more than the offensive line has produced. Um, right. Not that they're playing bad, but he's also giving you something extra on top of that. And then if you want a more traditional stat, he ranks 5th in the NFL in yards per rush at 5.3. Um, so that's what we're talking about with Gibbs there. And Montgomery, I mean, we all know what he's been able to do. I know he's been banged up here, but um, what he's been able to do in between the tackles as a runner, um, in the goal right. line, like the numbers, the, the Lions' red zone efficiency like kind of plummets when Montgomery is off the field, which shows you how yeah, important we saw he that. is. Um, he's got you know six rushing touchdowns in five games. Uh, PFF has him at 22 missed tackles force, which is um, 10th in the NFL. And that's despite playing you know three to four fewer games than the other nine backs ahead of him. So, um, I think this running back duo has been ad- as advertised. Like I don't, I think the proof's in the pudding right now at this point. And for anyone that was still wondering why the Lions went out and got these two guys specifically and instead of running it back with the two that they had, I think you have your answer. Yeah, all the way. I mean, we talked about some of those stats last week, the, you know, the negative, And then of course, well, it was the yards before contact, right? Also the line yards plus yeah. uh, the yards after and to, to kind of compare the swift thing, which I think, you know, again, if you watched, not to cut on him, but I mean, water is leveling with, with DeAndre a little bit here and you're starting to see more of why they were willing to sort of move on from that. And we also talked about that offensive line. Phillies has been the most consistent and the best in the league this year. The Lions have talent to match any offensive line, but as we've noted, I mean, they've been hurt. They've been banged up. They've had to shuffle it a lot. It, I mean, it really has. It's been patchwork in so many ways. Yep. And they've still they've still been able to produce these numbers, which is both, I think, a testament to those guys, but, but more so, more so to the backs. This is a testament to the backs. I don't think, Colton... And, you know, I'll ask you this question because you were there last year too. Like, let's say they went through the same situation last year where, you know, they have to play a game without Decker. They have to play a couple without Jackson. They have to play one without Frank. Or was it a couple without Frank? Mm-hmm. Let's say they go through all of that again last year with Williams and Swift. I'm sorry. It's not going to be like – it's not going to – it would not have been like this. And no. and that is the difference that is now showing up, I think, for everyone to see. It's it's two weapons. Both were upgrades. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it would be the same production. And, you know, when Swift was hurt last year and Jamal to take on the lead role, the the rushing game wasn't as efficient as it was right. early it in the season. It slowed down. Both those guys. Um, it definitely slowed down. So these two backs, it kind of – and I don't know if that was, like, necessarily what they had in mind. I'm sure it played a factor. But just because the Lions offensive line hasn't been able to stay healthy and play these games together, I right. do think That's a risk, going though. out and getting yeah. – these two backs that's that are able to do things in the second level. Like Gibbs has thirteen broken tackles in terms that's like, exactly. like physicality based. Um, you know, Montgomery, we know what he can do. So you, you get these two backs that can make you miss in space and get extra yards for you on top of, you know, what your offensive line can provi- can provide. You know, I don't know if that was part of the plan, but it certainly seems like they've got that in, in place right now. So um, when they get this offensive line healthy and it looks like it is, you know, sounds like Jonah and Frank are gonna play this week. Um, you know, this, it can be scary. You have the whole group now together. So, yeah, watch out. I, I am very curious because, you know, I, I know that he did. He has not surprised their scouting staff or Holmes. I think Gibbs has surprised the coaching staff with his ability to run between the tackles. I think that the, I don't know if they thought he was 
you know, at, you know, clearly they didn't. Uh, they, they trusted Montgomery more when the season started, and why wouldn't you, right? He's he's proven that in the NFL. But I'm not sure that they totally got that. And now, I mean, how could you not see that after these last couple games? So the real question that everyone is going to want to talk about going forward is like, who is who's getting the lion's share of the work? How what's the split? You know, and then more than that, maybe not who's getting the lion's share of the work even, but like, are they both getting? what we would say is like an adequate amount of times to have an impact. Yeah. And that's a tricky deal. And I have said this since week one. I would love to see both of them out there together in more of those, situ- you know, run more of the 21. I really think they're leaving meat on the bone with that not being more of an asset. But we'll see. Maybe that's been in the plans. I don't know. What are your sort of thoughts on that? Uh, we're going to have to see because, yeah, I mean, both guys healthy and they're both into it now, so I don't know how that's going to look, but I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, Ben Johnson talked about this uh, on Thursday. Um, he said there's a strong argument to get both of them out there together more often. So, yes, seems like yeah. it's something they're at least thinking about. Okay. And when you, I, I guess when you look at, like, their separate production, um, they've been at their best when the other hasn't played, <laughs> like, if we're being honest. That's right, that's right. Yep. Um, so, which, which is good. You have two, basically, 1A running backs. Um, but... You know, you want to find a way to use both of them while you have them. Like, it doesn't have to be, oh, Montgomery's not playing, we'll give Gibbs 30 touches. You know, uh, Gibbs isn't playing, we'll give Montgomery 30 touches. You can find a way to get both of them involved and both of them, you know, to be yeah. effective in this offense. So I think they'll find a way to do that. Um, we saw some of those two-back looks early in the season, and then both of them kind of got banged up and missed some time on their own. So this is probably the first time in a while they've both been on the field together at the same time. Um so maybe this is the week where you try to trot some of that that out yeah. more. You know, you're coming off the bye week. Maybe you can implement some stuff um, that the other team hasn't seen yet. So I don't know. Maybe this is a good week to do that. We'll see. I'll tell you what I would love to see is Gibbs spending more time at receiver. Yeah. Gibbs spending more time in the slot. Gibbs spending more time just split out. And then, you know, because I think that I do think he can be, you know, everybody talks about, you know, he, and there might, he reminds them of Kamara, which is fair. And, you know, all that. I think he can be a little bit like Debo to a degree. I think he can be a guy who can be a threat in multiple areas of the field that you're just like, what do we do with this guy? So I'd like to see them try some more of that because I think he can handle it. And, you know, like you said, I mean, Montgomery is what he is. He's not he's not as versatile, so it would have to be a little bit more limited in that. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, some Laporta stats in here, too, which is the other one I wanted to touch on. Um, as we've talked about, there's the red zone stuff and some other good things in there too. But the Laporta situation, Colton, I wrote about him in our all-rookie team this week uh, on the halfway point. And he was uh, – Kincaid is is starting to play well too, but Laporta has clearly been the best guy. And, like, this has still been a good tight end class. All these tight ends have now at, some, at this point in the season, for the most part, they've all sort of flashed what we thought they would do. And he has been head and shoulders. Head and shoulders the best. Um, on pace for, like – I'm not sure if it's a thousand yards, but it's like ninety plus catches and nine hundred plus yards. I think, which is like close to the record. Uh, yep. I mean, <laughs> pretty good. What did you find about Sam there? Yeah. Um, so the Lions put this out. Lions PR. Um, the only tight end in NFL history to accumulate at least forty receptions, four hundred receiving yards, and four receiving touchdowns through their first eight games of their career, and that's mm-hmm. Sam Laporta. Um, Including all positions, uh, he's only the eighth player in NFL history to do that to do so. So um, you kind of look around; and all these rookies are playing well. They're balling out. They're setting NFL records and like through their first eight games or whatever. And you're like, "All right, this is a pretty good draft class, Brad. Good job." Yeah. Um, proved everyone wrong. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you look at Laporte in the season he's having. Just for him to do what he's doing at that position is sort of unheard of. Um, it really production is. That he's, yeah. And it's really just the Lions just throwing him out there into the fire. Like, you know, they. I guess their yeah. options were kind of limited with, you know, Brock Wright and James Mitchell. Those are more like secondary tight ends. And they had an opening for, you know, a lead tight end there. It was a tight end rich class, uh, mm-hmm. which is why we were telling you they might look at that position. Which is why they, they traded DJ. Yeah, yeah. Even though they had, you know, some defensive, you know, needs, they were going to look at offense too. And tight end was one of those positions they were going to look at. And so, yeah, they traded TJ, and a lot of people were like, well, that obviously they traded TJ. They're not going to pay a tight end. They don't want to, you know, invest in a tight end this early. They're not going to draft one. But again, it was, to me, it always said, they just didn't have their guy. They wanted something different for this specific offense. And they went out and they got one that fit. And that's Sam Laporta and what he's able to do, um, making these contested catches, um, mm-hmm. the, the yards after the catch. Um, you know, just he's been a reliable target for Jared Goff. <clears throat> he's always where he needs to be. You never have any questions about him. So, yeah, he's just been everything they've, they've wanted and more. And the fact that he's doing this as a rookie and has so much room to grow even um, – Seems like the Lions got themselves a really damn good football player. Yeah, for local context, right? Like TJ Hawkinson's first year as a rookie, he didn't make it through the whole season. He got hurt. Um, He played well, but he ended up with like 20 catches maybe for, you know, it it was fine. It was a fine year. It was what was considered a fine year, even though he was hurt. Like 25 catches for a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, The second year, he had like 40 or 50 for like seven or 800 yards. And that's considered, he was made the Pro Bowl, right? Because that's a, Hell of a season. And a second-year tight end, of course, it hasn't always been that way for him, but that's what he was in year two. Laporta is going to clear what Hawkins, you know, health provided. He's going to, he's already cleared Hawkinson's rookie year. He's going to clear his second year as a rookie. Okay. And he's going, to, he's already a better blocker. Uh, TJ's not a bad football player already. And so this is the type of guy we're talking about. A thousand yards for a rookie tight end has only been done, I think, once ever. And Mike Ditka is the guy that did it all those years ago. It's it's like that's how hard that you said it, especially at that position, you know. And I know that the game is changing, and you know they're using these guys in more ways. But okay, if that were the case, then why aren't we seeing every year there's a, a dude that shows up that gets 50 catches as a rookie and or 60, 70 catches, and it doesn't happen. Right. Year two, year three, but not as a rookie. And I think that's the to have the physical awareness and the sort of physical maturity at a younger age like that. He's a special player, I think, for sure. I mean, he's not exactly like uh, he's more in the Kittle mold, mold than than Kelsey, but I feel like he's a he's a really unique blend of both of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's a he's a solid blocker. He's a better blocker than Kelsey, yeah. and I think he's he's as good a route runner as as Kittle, probably. Mm-hmm. I would think so. You know, I, I think he's a nice mix of both those guys, and a guy that can kind of lean on going forward. Yeah, real quick, I, I just crunched some numbers. He's on pace for. 91 catches and 922 yards as a rookie. Whoa! Yeah. That's like Pro Bowl status we're talking about. Like, through eight games. That's big time. He's uh, fourth among tight ends and receptions, tied for third in touchdowns, and tied for fifth in receiving yards. Um, so he's been a top four or five tight end in the league statistically. Probably going to get himself a Pro Bowl nod. I was, it's funny because for my prediction story that I wrote earlier this week, I was looking at, like, okay, how many Pro Bowlers can the Lions get? And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, yeah, Sam Laporte is, like, Got to be a Pro Bowler at this point, at least yeah. halfway through, um, yeah. which is crazy for a rookie tight end. Um, and also another nugget I heard, uh, I heard the Cowboys were interested in, in Laporta in the back end of the first round. So doesn't surprise for me. For some yeah. people that were, 
I don't. I think Laporta was a little lower on our specific board on Dane's board, maybe. Um, and yeah, he was like mid second round. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Lions kind of maybe low. It was it was a little bit of a surprise for me that they took him that high, but as you hear more stuff around the league, these teams like support like Laporta a lot. Uh, you know, some of those teams in the back end of the first were looking at him. So the fact that the Lions were getting him, able to get him thirty fourth overall, I think uh, have to feel pretty pretty good about that and the production he's given them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you mentioned the. Uh, the the uh, all the rookies he's been the best. All of them have been good, and I think that brings us to the next uh, thing here, which is your story that you wrote about the second half predictions, which you did lead off with that that three lions will make the all rookie team, and I that's what we have I believe right now okay. um, on on the halfway point. I think we had Laporta, mm-hmm. we had Brian Branch, and we had Gibbs. I think yeah. I don't know if Jack, I don't think Jack Campbell was on there, but the other three. We're on there. And I was a little surprised that Gibbs snuck in, but he did. He was up there with Bijan. So, I mean, what were your... I don't know. What do you think the the best odds on those are? But, I mean, again, we talk about this rookie class a lot. I just, like, it's really, really damn good. It There's is. no other way to say that. It, it no doubt is. And even the, if you look at the last game the Lions played against the Raiders, I believe seven of their eight rookies played. And the only one that didn't was yeah. Hendon Hooker. Was who's Hendon, on right? IR. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Right. Looking around and Colby Sorzel's getting starts and Broderick Martin's finally activated and like some of these other pieces are finally starting to get along and um, but the three that everyone talks about Laporta Gibbs and Branch I think those are all three deserving candidates to make all rookie teams the way they played I mean Branch has been one of the be- better nickels in the league I know he missed some time when he was hurt but I yeah. mean, he's played some really good ball this year I would just talk about Laporta and Gibbs but those are three guys that you know are some of the better players at their position already. Um, so I think it's certainly fair to put those guys on the list. And and I wouldn't rule out Jack Campbell yet either. Um, no, no, no. If there's probably an honorable mention section, maybe he makes that. But um, I think they're putting a lot on his plate because they right. think that he can handle it. Um, and I think he's, you know, having some time adjusting to it. He's, he's taking some time to do that, like playing Sam more and rushing passer more. And these are things that he wasn't asked to do a ton at Iowa. So I think there's an expected learning curve there. Um but I would say in the second half, as we've seen so often with you know these draft classes and these rookies, they tend to really come on in the second half more than the first half. So if Jack is one of those guys, and he ends up giving this team a boost and he starts looking like the first round pick, and you know not to say he hasn't because he's had some moments too, but if mm-hmm. you get that consistency out of him in the second half, this defense can be even scarier and you know more equipped to handle some of these offenses that they're going to see in the playoffs. So getting Jack on the right track, I think, uh, would be pretty key for this defense and. Um, yeah, just get him going. I think we'll be good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I think that's the best point about him because he's not, he's not only doing things that are like new. He's doing things he's never done before. Yeah. You know, lining up at defensive end and just rushing. Like, he didn't do that at all at Iowa. Like, Brian Branch is playing what he played at Nama. Like, this is the same role. It's not any different, right? Same thing for Gibbs. And same thing for pretty much all the rest of these guys. But, like, that's not the case here. So he's, you know, I absolutely think that he, he should get some sort of a grace period on that or whatever. And the other thing, too, is, like, they had to make that decision because I think they drafted him in part because they knew he could do that. But also, like, Anzalone was playing very well. Barnes was playing very well. It's like you get your best players on the field, and he's been one of their best 11 the whole yeah. way. I don't know if you can argue that. So it's been, it's been you know... Really, really solid, and I think Branch is the guy too. That you, know, you mentioned the second half, and we talk about the bye week coming at a right in the midway point. He's a guy that I think could really benefit them maybe as much as anybody from this bye, because he has not been the same since that ankle injury. Um, he hasn't been the same sort of explode. The explosion hasn't quite been. It's been fine, but it hasn't been what we saw in the first couple weeks before the injury. I'm wondering if he can get a little more healthy here after having some time off. If we don't see the guy that we saw in the first four games for the next, you know, eight. Like, that yep. that would be ideal, and I think it's possible. Again, I think I would go back to they're asking too much of the roster in the back end, I think. <laughs> but yeah. it's possible that Branch finishes as strong as he started and that this little ankle thing was just a hiccup and that's what we saw. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see, yep. but I wouldn't rule that out at all. No, no, I wouldn't either. I mean, yeah, they are playing some of these guys a little too much, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, when you look at uh, what they've done, it's kind of hard to fault them. Like, they're productive rookies. They can improve. And um, in the second half, I think that there's still growth for them. So, absolutely. I think we'll see. You got six Pro Bowlers. That was your pick on this one? That yes. Seems... That sounds right. At least six. That's I, what I wrote, yeah. Yeah. I think, let's say, you've got uh, Frank Ragnow, uh, Sewell, St. Brown, Goff. Uh, they, well, like you said, they all made it last year. I mean, those guys are all playing... I would think, right, at a Pro Bowl level right now. Yeah, as good uh, or better than last year. Yep. Yeah. You mentioned McNeil, uh, same thing. And then uh, Laporta, Hutchinson. same thing, and Hutch. Yeah. That's, se- that's seven that's right there. Six. So I said at least that's six. seven. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about Yeah, I, at like, least. I think Aleem's a Pro Bowler, like the way he's played this I do year. too. I do too. I don't know if. Like, I would have him on that list. Yeah. I mean, that's just my take. I don't know if, like, the national media would agree, but I just think he's been balling out this year and has kind of taken that leap that everyone wanted to see. So I hope he gets that recognition because he deserves it. He's been really good. And the other one, too, before we move on to the uh, the Chargers here a little bit and get out of here. Obviously, you picked the Lions to win the division. I think we've talked about that. Like, that's, you know, they're they, this is a really good situation here. I mean, they're kind of in a stranglehold. Minnesota, Dobbs, how about that last week? Yeah. I wouldn't rule them out. I still think they're a team that could beat the Lions, but I don't think sweep them. I think the Lions, that's a split, if anything, to me. So, yeah, I, I like the division situation. I, there's no reason to think any, anything else, but... 
the, the big one, Campbell for coach of the year. You predicted, yes, he'll, he'll win coach of the year. I think if we did a halfway point coach of the year, it would be unanimous, would it not? That it would be Dan Campbell. I'm not sure that it would be, I don't know how you would, maybe, who, who am I missing here? Who am I overlooking? I think it's probably somebody. I, I think it's Campbell, <laughs> but I think there are some other deserving candidates, like, yeah, I think what uh, Mike McDaniel has done in Miami. Oh, okay, yeah, good point. Um, I forgot about Mike. Yeah, John Harbaugh <laughs> in, in Baltimore—they're off to a great start. I would even, yeah, they're and I, I didn't—I wrote this before, you know, the the Week Ten games, but um, uh, D'Amico Ryan's like he has them five and four with the Texans, and I don't think a lot of people expected that, and you know, I think he deserves some recognition they as well. They did not. Yes, they are playing great football. Um, so. Yeah, but to me, I think it comes down to it's always a combination of like some sort of narrative or record. I think Campbell has the best case for both. Like the Lions are I six and two; they have one of the better records in the league. And if he's able to get these this team to win a division, the first one in thirty years, and you know everything that comes with that, I think he'll get it. I think the narrative and the winning combined is too much to overcome for any other candidate. So that's why I wrote. That I think mm-hmm. he's going to win it, but I, I I don't think it's over yet. I think there's some other deserving so, candidates. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike McDaniel is a good one. That's one where if, if they finish the season and keep the pace they've been at. Now, not every week has been like this. Not, you know, They've had some starts and stops, and Devin Achain got hurt and all that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that all... But if they keep going and, and set records and make a run, it would be hard to ignore you know his candidacy. But other than that, and I think John Harbaugh is fair too because they... Have sort of gotten off the ground and really recenter themselves into a situation. I wouldn't argue with Tamiko Ryan's either, um, and there's probably some other coaches out there that I'm forgetting. There always are, but like the whole project, like if they get to the playoffs and host a playoff game in the third year, yeah. because the whole project was supposed to take four. If we're being honest, this was a this. It's, I know <laughs> that people get removed from these things and they forget because it's you don't want to think about that stuff. This was a horrific situation, as bad as anything or worse, that we see in the NFL right now. There is not a team in the NFL today that was in a worse spot than this team was when Campbell and Holmes took them over. That's the context. And that, I think, would be the thing, if they finish, that would carry him to that award. Because this this is as close to unwinnable as it gets in the NFL, or it was coming in here, right? That was the... And it's... Yeah. Boom. Boom. Right away. And so I think that that's been impressive and it's been sort of hard to ignore mike mcdaniel would be a tough one though yeah if they keep like scoring 100 points a game or whatever like yeah they look pretty uh pedestrian against the chiefs though so they they, did that's why i get i get and they've had a couple back and forths that have been up and down so i guess we'll see um sometimes that stuff can be a flash and then people catch up and it doesn't work as well what are you gonna say real quick before we move on uh another prediction i had in here was the Lions will lock up the nfc's two seed and i'm thinking about this right i think it's really important that the lions get that two seed um, I do too, actually. Because the difference between the two seed and like the three seed is potentially playing the Vikings right now, I think, are the seven seed. Uh, so that's who mm-hmm. you would play. You'd play Josh Dobbs versus, I don't know, like the Cowboys maybe. Uh, at home, <laughs> right? Get, yeah. Both, right. Yeah, both would be at home. But but you'd get a much harder game at home. Yeah, one, that, one's like great. the Cowboys yeah. or, and one's like the Vikings or like, I don't know, one of these other weaker <laughs> NFC teams. So. You want to get the two seed, man. Like I think Philly's kind of on track to lock up the one seed. I wouldn't say it's out. Looks but, like. I mean, they're on that track, I, I would say. Um, but the Lions, like, they have one of the easiest schedules. I think the fourth easiest schedule remaining in the NFL. They play the Chargers, the Bears twice, the Packers, the Saints, the Broncos, the Vikings twice, and the Cowboys. 
So some winnable games on that schedule. Some, some. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, <laughs> um, I mean, frankly, this should they should be. What's the record right now? Six uh, and what two. Are two loss, six and two. Like double it and add the extra. Yeah. That's what the projection should be. This should be a four loss team. That's what I think. Right. I think that that's a fair. Twelve and five. Base. I think. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see on yeah maybe, maybe five. The health and all that is hard to project, but based on the talent of the roster, this is a four or five loss team to me. Yeah. I think. I agree. But that four or five swing will be very important, you're right. Yeah. Because it's probably going to come down to one game. The difference between that two seed and one of the other ones. So that, <laughs> it's a big you deal. You really want the two seed. That was that was my takeaway from writing this. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> welcome to first world problems, uh, Lions fans. But that is true. You don't, yeah. you know, like a home playoff game is a home playoff game and nobody's going to sneeze at any of that either way. But, you know, there's a drop in the NFC in terms of teams that actually could do something and teams that are just going to be there because somebody has to be there, <laughs> like you know? Yeah. And you want to play one of the teams that, like, is just there because they accidentally made it or whatever. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what you prefer, but you don't always get you what you want. No doubt. I guess we'll see. All right, a little bit on this game here moving forward, and then we'll, we'll uh, wrap up this week uh, so Colton can get out of here. Uh, Chargers on the road. Uh, the Chargers are always an interesting team, if interesting is the right word. Uh, they have, you know, last year was... I think there was so much good stuff about what we saw from them, and then they get to the playoffs, and then they have that total collapse. And, like, I just don't know if Staley has recovered from it uh, all the way. I'm being dead honest. I mean, that happens to coaches. I don't know if he's recovered from it. They have been inconsistent. Mm -hmm. To me, they're still very talented, though, and they still have a lot of really good players. This is not an easy game at all, like, I, I don't think. And it's one that they're going to have to have their best stuff just – Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the Chargers have to take a dump, but also at the same time, like when they turn it on, they're they're dangerous, and I think that that's how I look at this one. Yeah, no, no doubt, and and they've been better of late. Um, you know, their schedule's been a little lighter, but I think they've been playing better football. They're four and four right now, um, second place in the AFC West, but tenth in the AFC at large. So they're mm -hmm. they need some wins here to kind of get back in that playoff picture. So they'll be motivated. They'll be at home. They've got some like real studs when you look around their roster. Um, Big time. Obviously, Justin yeah, Herbert do. is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He can beat you in so many ways. Um, Austin Eckler's a great dual threat running back. Um, by the way, um, Austin Eckler on his podcast uh, a couple weeks ago was talking about Gibbs and kind of some of the uh, just oh, really? like running back technique stuff that he can kind of work on um, just to get more production. And it was really cool to hear him talk about it. That's interesting. Um, so if he's if awesome, you, yeah, yeah, he's he's great at breaking down the game and just talking talking ball. So I would recommend that if you uh, are interested. Um, they've got you know Keenan Allen's one of the better route runners in the NFL. They, they got the two edges and Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack, mm -hmm. and you kind of look around and you're like, they've got some talent. They should be better than their record. Um, yeah, but a lot of talent. <laughs> they're also the Chargers, and they tend to you know, <laughs> lose these games in ways that they shouldn't. So at the same time, like, yeah, like it's it's a talented roster. Uh, but you can definitely compete. It's not like a, you know, daunting task. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. What do, what do you think of this Chargers team when you kind of look at them? It, they're super talented, and like every that's why everyone I think when they look at the Chargers get frustrated because Staley has not. I mean, they should be better than this. You know, yeah. like last year they were last year they were probably ahead of schedule a little bit. They made the playoffs. They had a good year, I thought. They got in, and then you know they collapse, and you know. It, that just for a young coach that's never been there before or done anything like that, or and he was a guy that got fast tracked like a lot of these guys do. And I'm not going to criticize anybody for that, but like you don't know how somebody's going to react until it happens. And 
that's real. That's yeah. with everything, and and that's and I think that you're you, you, sometimes, you know, I don't want to get a whole ahead of my skis because they are playing better of late, but like. I wonder about them. I don't trust them in you know in close games. I would trust the Lions much more in those situations, not just because they have a run game that they can travel and will go anywhere with them. But I, I frankly, I think Campbell has been more more trustworthy and under control. I mean, Staley's the guy who's going to go for. It. I mean, if the chart says do it, no matter what he's doing, you know. And it's like yeah. sometimes that's great, sometimes it's a disaster. And it's like I feel like he's even. He's had struggle points this season of getting back to the guy that was very confident in what he was doing and then falling way off the spectrum and just being like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. So I don't trust them. I don't they have a ton. They have a ton of talent, but I don't trust them. But at the same time, if I'm the Lions, I'm concerned because this is your big test here for these for a big one for these DBs right now. Like, yeah. you know, you you just said to your coaching staff, this is what we're going to go with these guys. We're going to ride it out. I'm okay. You just mentioned two guys right there who will cut you up. If you're not careful, plus Herbert, mm-hmm. and so you know, I just I wouldn't be as concerned about the uh, Bosa and Mac because the Lions are healthier up front. It just defensively, are they going to be able to bring what what we've seen them at their best? That's the question I have. I don't know what your what your situation on that one is. I, I agree with you in the fact that they're hard to trust and they are frustrating because they have this they're talent. Frustrating, yeah, right. and it's like just. You should be one of the better teams in the AFC. There's no reason that you can't be unless your head coach is holding you back that much. And maybe right. maybe yeah. that's where future Chargers head coach Ben Johnson steps in and, and cleans right. up the mess. Or, or, or Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> or Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> for, another, for, for another segment of the show oh, here that I know man. is listening. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but I'm, lo- I'm looking at their schedule. I'm like, what is their best win this season? Okay, so their four wins have come against the Bears with Tyson Bajent. Oh, God. Come um, on. The, I love Tyson Bajan, but that doesn't count. The Jets <laughs> on Monday night where the Jets just d- forgot that also they were playing. Also doesn't count. Yeah, um, right. they, beat, uh, they beat the Raiders when Josh McDaniel was uh. there. And then they beat the Vikings. Uh, that's probably the best win, but they almost blew that one by going forward at right. their own, they, like, 12 or something. At like their that. own 10. It was horrible. Yeah. So, I don't, I, I, there's just not an impressive team. Like, I... They have the talent, but they haven't impressed me on the schedule, and they're losing against every good team they played. So, I don't yeah, know, man. This is this they, is a little McDanielsy. Yeah, it's not totally McDanielsy. Like, I don't think that they hate Brandon Staley. I don't think that he's like lost the locker room or whatever. But if he's going to be shaky and not and, and make decisions that are going to cost you games or something like this, at some point the guys they turn it in. They yeah. don't give you what. That what they can, or they don't give you all of it for as long, and and I do th- I think this would be a tough game. I think this would be a game that's pretty hotly contested. But the thing that both of us are saying here, and I think most fans would agree, is that if it's a dogfight all the way, and if it's a four quarter game into the deep water, as a buddy of ours used to say, <laughs> I would trust I would trust the Lions in that one. Yeah. I would trust them ten times in in a, over the Chargers in a situation like this, and that's the like one thing maybe left for me. In my head, of like, can I go there and say I think this is a team that can like not just get to the playoffs, but a team that can win some games in the playoffs and make a run? If they go play a game like this and prove us correct that we should trust them more against a team that has a ton of talent that you know can be a little leaky, then I'm okay with uh, that. I'm there. Then that that's then they're that team for me, you know, because that's the attitude and the mentality that is required to take that next step. And this is one of those games that I think can maybe do a little bit of that. 
it's so funny that historically, like these two teams are known for like just blowing or collapsing in like big moments. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Lions, they yeah. say same old Lions. Oh, you blew it again. Yeah. And Chargers, they say what? Like Chargers are charging uh, again. You know, Chris. Like, Chris had a great tweet a couple years ago. Chris Berg, it was like, "What even are the Chargers?" I ask this every year. I don't even know. <laughs> no one knows. And it's like, yeah, right. No one even has any idea. No. Every year, <laughs> what team do you want to be? Like, what team are yeah. you going to finally get over the hump? Like, what? Tell us, please. We're we're all yeah. waiting here. Right, um, we've been waiting for twenty years. And the fact that, <laughs> yeah, the fact that we're at a place where we can now trust the Lions definitively uh-huh. more than the Chargers kind of speaks yeah. to the growth in, here in Detroit, which we know. Um, but yeah, man, I, I mean, looking at matchups, I guess, you do wonder uh, Herbert versus the secondary, is he going to dice him up? Um, I know he's down some pieces, some weapons. Um, Keenan Allen's and one of the better receivers. He's streaky too, you know? Yeah, he's up yeah. and down. Um, but when he's on, he's mm. arguably the best really quarterback not. in the league when he's on. Yeah, on. he's tough. Um his arm talent's like insane. Um, it's amazing, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, they've gotten they've gotten a lot of pressure this year with their defense too. So I do wonder, you know, I don't think Panay Sewell's given up a sack this year. Um, mm-hmm. So I do wonder, he's going to get tested. Both like him and Decker big are going to get big tested. Big one for both those guys. Um, yep. And if they can hold up and kind of do what they've been doing this year, I think it feel pretty good about you know the rest of their schedule and the pass rushers they'll face because this might be as good as it gets from here on out. Maybe Dallas. Probably, um, but Alice would be the other one. Other yeah. than that, like, you know, that's a great point. This is a good test for them, and we'll see how they hold up. That's a big time point, and I think that'll probably be, be the motivation going into it, right? Like, I saw the stat the other day that I think probably you did that Sewell and Werfs, I think, are the two best PFF graded tackles, and for me, those are the two best young tackles in football. Yeah. Um, and but Panay is the type of guy I think that totally understands those moments. Like the first game he played was against. Uh, one of the bosses there against 49ers and like he took that so serious and, and played left tackle right he played because Ty- Decker was out mm-hmm. and I remember he played well and it was like man he really rose to and they they put him in there and totally trusted him as a rookie first time starter because they were like this guy is different you guys don't get it you'll get it in time that's awesome and he's he's the type of guy that I think right rises to these occasions I think Decker does too um, last week was one of Decker's or two weeks ago whatever it was was one of Decker's best days and they needed him really badly so I'm with you. I think that this could be one where we we see a charged up offensive line. They finally get everybody back. Ragnall's back. Is Jonah also back? Yeah. Yeah. So Jonah's yeah. back too. That means Glasgow gets to go back. And by the way, Glasgow before they had to move him to center, and he did fine when they. Graham Glasgow has played terrific football this season at guard. I think great. that people don't realize how good he has been. Um, he was awesome in the role they had before Patricia sort of ruined it <laughs> when he was here before with Jeez. playing next to playing next to Frank. Yeah. Uh, those two play so well together. And then he went to Denver and he got hurt and they asked him to play center, which is not his best spot. But now he's back playing and it's just been he's in between Sewell and Frank and he has been a terrific addition for this team. Real quick, I, I do think Campbell said this week that it's fair to say that Graham has earned that starting job from here on out. Oh so yeah. Time yeah I would say is more of a reserve role now. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he has been great, and and I think that this is a type of game where all those guys together finally can maybe go show, because it's been you know they haven't had they haven't had many chances to do it, and like, and that's the point that we talked about earlier with, you want to make a case for why you why you go all in on the running backs. Well, the case is that if you're going to be a running team that goes hard like this and just dedicate yourself to it, your offensive line is going to get hurt. They're going to go through games where you don't have everybody, so you have to have guys behind who can pick up the slack. But the the hope is that 
when you get down the stretch, everybody's ready to roll, and it's a freight train that nobody can do anything with. And so yep. maybe we start to see some of that build up here too. I'd be curious to see it. But yeah, it should be a good one. I'm excited to see it. Uh, you get to go to L.A. for a couple of days. That'll be fun too. Yeah. No, I've, and I've never been to that stadium either. Everyone says it's a... Uh... One oh yeah so you don't get to. lost yeah right. <laughs> um that'd be fun to get some good food out there and uh yes yeah, spend some time with my brother so yeah it'll be a good trip i'm excited for him man good game very good yes big game big games the rest of the way they're all important doesn't matter who you're playing when you're trying to get in like we talked about that two seed and the three seed these are you're in first world problem territory now yeah. alliance fans so every one of them counts just the same as it was when you were trying to scrap your way in you have to try to take advantage of, of all these situations, as we know, the best you can. Colton, you got anything else this week before we get out here? Um, I do not. Yeah, just looking forward to this week, and it uh, should be fun. Sounds good. Well, Colton will be there to break it all down. You can check out his stuff on The Athletic afterward. And then next week, of course, we'll be back to talk about it here. So thanks again for listening. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next week.